RadioInfluence.com. We'll prepare to advance the calendar from 2022 to 2023 in seriousness and laughter with comedian writer Michael Loftus on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. I don't need to tell you that we live in serious times. In fact, to the dismay of many, we live in very perilous times, confronted daily with issues we never conceived we'd be staring at right in our faces. Yes, 2022 has been a very depressing year for many of us. What will 2023 bring? We'll see when we get there. But for now, let's turn our attention to a creative talent who's here to inject some much needed laughter into our lamentations. So let's get into it. He's a writer, commentator, and stand-up comedian who has been a headlining talent nationwide for more than 20 years. He's previously written for and produced on The George Lopez Show, Charlie Sheen's Anger Management, and Kevin James' Kevin Can Wait, and is the co-executive producer of the upcoming Netflix series, The Crew, starring Kevin James. Considering himself center-right politically, his podcast, The Loftest Party, dissects the worlds of politics, social media, and pop culture, showcasing his rare ability to take on complex issues, distill them into simple discussion points, and then bring genuine wit and style to the proceedings. He currently writes for and produces That Show Tonight, sketch comedy, which is described as being Saturday Night Live, but not for communists, and he's the author of the book Neither stunning nor brave. I welcome to the show, Mr. Michael Loftus. How are you, Michael? I'm good, man, especially after that intro. Dang, I'm somebody. I'm important. Well, you know what? Uh, th- this is the intro that people, I've had like people like Nick Searcy, Morgan Brittany, you know, I've had yeah. some people on that uh, I always like to say, hooray for Hollywood, da 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 da. You know, I it, it's almost like I feel compelled. I do this for everybody, but it's almost like I feel compelled to let people really know who people are. Because one of the things that does bother me a little bit is when I watch people and say, well, here's Michael Loftus. He's a comedian and then and off to the go. But, you know, you, you, you've done a lot and it, it it's really important because it, it gives people an insight in who you are and how you got there. So let's start I, I, right you. there. That's, yeah, that's, you're a, that's a that's a great point. That's a you're, very you're welcome, great point. Right. You're welcome right there. Yeah. So let's start right where th- with that show tonight, which is your latest venture. Um, yeah. Give us the what it is, why you're doing it and how to find it. And I'll tell the people right now, it's hilarious. It's truthful. It's Sketch comedy for the rest of America, as you say, and I was looking at I've looked at some of the routines and the Sabatini Family Projection Agency, which starts out protecting bodegas and boroughs and now says we can take you down to the border. And if you need need a little help with the coyotes 
and you, you had a real coyote, but that coyote can be, you know, go yeah. two ways. It was, it was comical. So please, please tell us about uh, that show tonight. Well, I've been a pro because I've written on a bunch of shows in Hollywood and and you know movies and blah blah blah. I'd always been a pro, and I was I haven't been shy about my politics. I've always been uh, approached by people to like, oh, we should do like Saturday Night Live, but from a non-woke, you know, perspective and things. It's just always been too busy. And then one of the one of the many gifts of the uh, insane lockdowns was like most people, I had some extra time. So got together with some friends, got together with uh, uh, my buddy Joe to box who has the America first warehouse and media campus. And so it's like, holy, we have, we've got cameras, we've got lights, we've got the talent, we've got the comedic uh, ability. I'm like, let's do it. Let's do a, a live sketch comedy show. And we we live stream it. It's on uh, thatshowtonight.com. And it's just 100% fun. There's so much insanity out there right now to make fun of. Our problem is we don't have enough time. Like we can do shows, <laughs> we can do shows every night we could do shows every night if we had the costumes and everything ready to go so that's it and it's and what has me fired up about it if i can uh let you know is like i'm all i'm about the the parallel economy the secondary economy it's like we know now that you know the fbi had their their thumbs all over twitter they were probably on facebook and google and youtube as well and and a show like that show tonight is never going to be allowed on the airwaves. Hollywood's never going to touch it, and we can go into that uh, later. I got some I got some stories that will just I bet terrify you, do. you. So we decided to start the show, and we live stream it, and we are just uh, having an absolute blast. And word is slowly but surely getting out there. Well, we're going to try and help perpetuate that word. Since I brought up the Sabatini Family Protection Agency, let's just use that as an example. So it's you and another guy, uh, Dominic, and what did you call yourself, Vito? Yeah, it's all it's like Dominic Vito. It's the Sabatini family. Hey, let's help you out. It's, uh, so tell whole, them, give them, give them the routine just so they can see an example of what. So whole, two of you there, and in the price. background, you're showing stuff. The whole premise of the Sabatini Family Protection Agency is that the government has failed you. So why not call the Sabatini family? We've been protecting businesses semi-consensually for almost 80 years. Maybe you got maybe your school board has your kids reading some books you don't like them to read. We'll have a talk with the school board. We'll settle <laughs> that out. Little Johnny and Jane, they're going to be reading the right books. Maybe you need border protection. Maybe you got people trespassing on your property. Give us a call, but don't use your phone. Use a burner phone. <laughs> oh, man. You know, yeah, it's hilarious. And, and by the way, the reason I wanted to bring you on at the end of the year is because, you know, it's been a rough year for for people who are, as you would even call, center uh, right going on that side. Yeah. And it's really been a rough year and we're getting to the year and, and it just looks like people don't know what to expect next year. And my show is usually so serious, although people will, you know, let their hair down if they have it, if they have hair, you know, and if they don't, they'll just, 
to just cut loose, and that's what you can do on this show. So I really wanted to bring you on as an end of the year, because this show will run at the end of the year into the early new year, to just um, add some laughter to all the lamentation that we've gone through this year. So can you kind of put in perspective where we are right now and why there's still something to laugh about? Well, it's it's funny. I guess it's all in how you look at it because, you know, I have a, I have a very active uh, group on Facebook that, at the, the Loftus Party uh, Facebook page. And one of the comments, I always, I always mock these horrible politicians. I mock their bad ideas. I mock socialism. I mock woke culture. And, and everybody, I get these comments all the time like, I, you know, I don't see how you can laugh about that. Thanks for trying to make me laugh, but how how can you even joke about it? And the reason I joke about it and the reason I'm involved with that show tonight and everything is because that's how you make change. It's uh, it's so easy to throw up your hands and just go, uh, you know, I don't even watch mainstream media anymore. I don't even watch the Academy Awards. I don't even go. Well, that's great. You're not going. But guess what? The rest of the population is. And politics is downstream from pop culture. And this is why the left and mainstream media is never going to allow conservative uh, comedians to thrive because they know you, you can have you can have a very serious conversation with your kid for a half an hour and talk about, you know, remember who you are and mm-hmm. this is your values yeah. and this is your, you stand the rest of the day. They're out in the world. And their school is beating them down and indoctrinating them. Then they're watching TikTok and they're watching YouTube. Then they're going to the movies. And even if it's a Marvel movie, they're going to learn something about how brave it is to be transgender. So we have to participate in pop culture. We have to make fun of these ideas because politics is downstream, man. Politics is downstream. And if we are going to save the country, we might as well laugh while we do it. Like we got to do our thing at the voting. We got to do we got to do our thing at the ballot box. But we also have to do our thing uh, in the entertainment business and tell good stories and make people laugh. I know exactly what you're talking about. And in preparation for this, I went back into my background uh, growing up here. Well, I didn't grow up. I grew up in New Jersey, went to college in Ohio, but I've been on Long Island since 1975. And. I remember back in the day, I went to see the likes of uh, at Westbury Music Fair of Don Rickles, Robert Klein, Red Fox, Joan Rivers, David Brenner, Arsenio Hall, Carlin, George, Rodney Dangerfield. I, I was backstage in three cities, Philadelphia, New Jersey at the Meadowlands and Madison Square Garden on Eddie, Mur- Eddie Murphy's Raw Tour. And I also spent so many weekends so many weekends, more than I can remember, Michael, in Manhattan at the Improv, the comic strip, Catch a Rising Star, because I love comedy. I, I, I just look back at some of the people that I remember seeing getting their start. Elaine Boozler, Howie Mandel, George Wallace, Sandra Bernhardt, Seinfeld, the late Sam Kennison, Richard Lewis, Andy Kaufman, the late Andy Kaufman, Richard Belzer and the late Alan Combs. Uh, I, my question to you, that was comedy. Are those days gone forever? Like, like, how do we allow the ability to laugh to get muzzled by the anti-free speech police? Well, we started caring about people's feelings. And, and we, we, we like started, I, I don't know, 
the the precise moment, but all of this. Uh, Oh, don't say that because it'll hurt somebody's feelings. Oh, don't and and uh, and sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> if somebody gets their feelings hurt. It's a rough world out there. Tighten your chin strap. Get back in the game. It's uh, we can't we can't tiptoe around it. It was funny. It was like when like when uh, Will Smith uh, smacked Chris Rock mm-hmm. at the Oscars. Everybody's like, well, Jada has alopecia. Jada and I'm like, how is Chris Rock supposed to know that? Am I supposed to, like, am I supposed to get a medical chart on everybody that walks into the club? Oh, don't say nothing about athlete's foot because Jimmy in the back row got an itch. I don't, I can't do that. I can't be responsible for all of that knowledge. So sorry, Jada, you had short hair. She looks good though with short hair. That little freaky woman with her GI Jane. It was a good joke too. Congratulations on GI Jane too. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. So since you went there, uh, what do you talk about politically in your stand up routines and how do uh, audiences tend to receive the material? Because I, I see they drove Seinfeld and all kind of people into retirement, semi retirement. Well, I mean, I stopped I stopped performing in colleges in probably 2000. Oh, wow. That far back. Yeah. Why? because I didn't need the hassle. I moved out to LA in 98 and then I started doing colleges in 2000 and man, I was performing at some college and one of the perks was you got a free lunch, right? They they paid you for your stand up, but you also could hand hand the lunch lady this ticket and go through the 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 uh, uh cafeteria line. And this woman was hardcore, bigger gal, older lady, big mole. She was right out of a Mel Brooks movie. And she's like, tickets, please. Hands me your tickets. I need the ticket. She was like straight up German accent. So I started joking around. I'm like, wow, you guys are hardcore at this school. You got a Nazi <laughs> front of the lunchroom. A kid wrote a letter to the dean complaining about my performance and that I would that I would uh, imply that all Germans were Nazis. And, and they want they wanted a formal apology for me. And so I apologized for how thin skinned the students was. And I, I could just see the handwriting on the wall. I'm like, I just I just don't need I just don't need the hassle of doing college gigs because that's what woke is all about. Woke is all like just virtue signaling and someone saying, oh, look at me. Look how smart I am. All you other people weren't even offended, but I'm so smart. I'll be offended on behalf of everyone. And those are the people that need to be mocked. They need to be ridiculed. We need to bring bullying back. Those are the people <laughs> who need to be bullied. They need wedgies. Then I don't care. I don't care if they're grown men. They need a wedgie and they need a smack upside the head. I, I understand because I used to love Don Rickles. I, I saw him live at, out here at Westbury Music Fair. And I, 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 every time he was on Johnny Carson back in the day, I couldn't wait because he offended everybody. And he offended yeah. him with humor. But he yeah. offended it with humor based upon the reality of ethnicity, the reality of this, that, and the other thing. And yeah. nobody, it, you could, you nobody could say, "Oh, he offended," because he offended everybody in the room. Yes, 
and it was all based on stereotypes. Right. Right. And that's this is like when you're moving fast. If Don Rickles was doing a show and there was a Japanese guy in the front row, I guarantee there was going to be some World War Two jokes. Some sorry we nuked you. It's like, hey, what do you want a cookie? It's good. At Westbury, uh, Michael, at Westbury, he's looking in the audience. And by the way, I was told, I don't know, you would know this better than me, that after the show, some people that he was really rough on, that he may bang backstage and talk to him and give him an autograph. I heard that was true. But he's always looking into the audience. And, you know, obviously I'm black, but somebody was sitting in front of me. He says, oh, a black guy. Let me make you feel comfortable. And he breaks out into a tap dance. (laughs) Then he sees the Italian guy. Oh, an Italian guy. Let me make you feel comfortable. He makes the machine gun sign and starts <laughs> doing the uh, doing the uh, the Al Capone thing. I mean, the, the guy was absolutely hilarious. Yes. And people, he sold out big arenas forever. How did we get from there to here? We we started like taking these 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 small complaints seriously. It is they they've got statistics that back it up. The, the people who complain about this stuff, it's a very small uh, minority of the population. And it's usually uh, white, college-educated dudes. And it's just like they have nothing else in their life. It, it, it's really. And so we start, we start going, oh, this tiny segment of the population is offended. So let's all change our behavior. And then once you do it for, for one group of people, oh, you got to do it for the other group of people. And now it, it's gotten so bad where it's like with the with the left and the woke they're like, oh, if, if we can't teach kids about uh, about gender identity and queer culture and, and they might kill themselves, they might harm them. So how dare you? That's the latest. And it's it's like this bizarre self-fulfilling prophecy. If they have their way, if they have their way. Comedy in the next five years will just be a, 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 a person on a stool yawning. And then I guarantee someone will be offended by the yawn. I hear you, Michael. I hear you. Now, you the things you tend to talk about are politics, social media, and pop culture. And is pop culture the one of the leading breeding grounds for all of what's creating this, which would include political correctness, wokeness, Truth is relative, cancel culture, and Antonio Gramsci's uh, cultural Marxism. It just seems like the the pop culture is leading this brigade. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And you can look at uh, the the cultural shifts in in America. And uh, just just for the sake of of making the point, uh, when Obama his first term. You know, he was very much uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. And and that's mm-hmm. it, you know, and the cult and the country was uh, very much agreed with him. And then there was a constant bombardment by Hollywood. There were a couple of like really big shows uh, that were very, very pro gay. One of them was Will and Grace. And like mm-hmm. after the success of that show, it changed hearts and minds. And then all of a sudden, Obama was like, I'm very, uh, let me be clear, uh, gay marriage is a thing and should be a thing. It should be. And all of a sudden, the entire nation uh, shifted. Yeah. And so that's just an example. But like Hollywood is keenly aware of the power that they have. 
All they have to do is to introduce these ideas and they introduce them at a very young age. Uh, the Teletubbies, the Care Bears. It's If you just look at children's programming, it's all, we can only solve the problem as a group. There's no more individual heroes. They're getting kids uh, when they're two and three years old and they're just getting them. The Care Bears and the Teletubbies are probably mm -hmm. the most insidious. I did some research on the woman who started Teletubbies and the whole purpose of Teletubbies is to make little kids comfortable with talking to a computer screen. And that's mm. why that's why the Teletubbies, they don't talk and they have a television screen uh, in their stomachs. And little kids are just supposed to go, oh, uh, screens are good. I like screens. It's really just straight up propaganda. That's terrifying. It's terrifying. I, I understand what you're saying. So the question is, how do we deal with cancel culture, political correctness and the like wokeness? What what's the solution? Because they made such inroads and they made such inroads, as you're saying, with kids, with young people. If you stopped doing colleges uh, 23 years ago, you know, that this means this thing is pretty well ingrained. Can we reverse this curse? We have to. And yes, it's like there's an old I guess it's, I think it's a Japanese saying like the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago or today mm. like we we must start we must begin and there's this uh it's almost like a, a con job where everybody and even people on the right even conservatives they think well if you're good enough if you're smart enough if you're funny enough you will end up being a success in hollywood and then the world will see we are not allowed to participate that's um, I, I had a show that I was doing. It was kind of like a, 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 a right, a, a right leaning version of the daily show. This mm -hmm. was years ago and it was independently syndicated. Uh, and Kelsey Grammer happened to see it. And so Kelsey is a great dude. And he's like, we should do a big budget version of that. Let's you and I will team up. We'll bring in my production company and we'll go out and we'll really sell this thing. and We'll do it upright. And we're like, okay, yeah, let's do it. So we pitched to Netflix, we pitched to Amazon, we pitched to CBS, ABC, we pitched to everybody. Mm -hmm. And everyone loved the show. They go, Michael, we think you're hilarious. We love Kelsey. We love this show. We love what it would do. It would make a ton of money. However, we can't afford to look friendly to the right. <laughs> And that was across the board. Across Our agents were shocked. Our agents at UTA couldn't believe it. But we have just been it's we the show was 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 blacklisted. And that's when I really went full tilt boogie on that show tonight, because we will never be allowed to participate. And, and it's it and time is running out. You've got like Disney. Disney just said half of our characters are going to be uh, LGBTQ plus. We're going to be friendly to that community. They, they have a political agenda with all of their movies, all of their programming. So they're almost done. And if you look now, so so there's there's woke people in in every corporation across America, across every spectrum. And then there's another generation behind them. And there's another generation behind them. So like this is just the tip of the iceberg. All the woke business we're seeing now, this is just the beginning. So we have to start a secondary uh, economy 
and and support any content creator on the right. Support them all. If if the Daily Wire has a new movie and they want to charge five bucks, give them ten. They need to make more content. That show tonight. Support us. We need to make more content and get it out to more Americans. It, that's really our only hope. I think I think Princess Leia said it best when she said, "Help us, Obi Wan. You're our only hope." There you go. I hear you. And and you know it's interesting that you say this because uh, a lot of people. I don't get out a lot on purpose, but when I do see people, they say, well, you've got a microphone or Michael Loftus's face is plastered all over the place. Or you used to be a writer, which I used to be. I used to write for Newsday and the Daily News, even though it was yeah. sports, I'm able to write. And they say, but you, know, you have a pen, you can write and Michael can act, you can do this. But what can we do? We're just, you know, home. We, we just that's not what we do. We're not in the public eye. How can we make a difference? What would you say to them? Support, support. Mm-hmm. I have so much respect for people who are like, I don't want to support Disney and Disney Plus or Netflix or Amazon. You know, they they don't want to support the woke agenda. Support us. Who can you support? If you're not going to give Disney 15 bucks a month, you could support that show tonight for $4.99. You can share content. So many people just they'll see something go by on Twitter and they go, oh, that's great. I'm just going to like that comment. Well, share it. Make sure you retweet it. When you're on Facebook, share this with your friends. My goodness. I'm so, I'm still, I'm in shock right now because of the Twitter files. Like the Twitter files, we're up to Twitter files number (laughs) eight. They know that the FBI was censoring voices on the right. The FBI was making sure the Biden laptop story got got uh, squashed. Mm-hmm. We have we have the FBI and the intelligence community affecting elections. Seventy nine percent of Americans say that they probably would have voted different had they known about the Biden laptop story. So that is direct election interference. And you got the FBI and the intelligence community. They're up in Facebook, Google, YouTube, all of the above. So the time at the at the very the very least people can do is they can share, share, let people know, you know, an interesting article was written here. This is a great podcast. This guy's got a great YouTube channel. You've got to spread the word. We need millions and millions of like little uh, freedom loving Johnny Appleseeds out there. I hear you. And since you brought Twitter into the conversation, I was looking at or actually listening to an episode of the Loftus uh, Party, which is Michael's podcast. And you were talking about Twitter and you said Twitter is just graffiti. And you started to talk about the damage caused by Twitter, but not Twitter per se, that you were talking about algorithms and how they've been manipulated manipulating the uh, conversation in America. And you, and so we explain to people about the algorithms and what is important as it applies to social media outlets. Well, these, these guys with like the head of Google, the head of, you know, Zuckerberg from Facebook and Jack Dorsey, when he was running Twitter, they'd always talk to Congress. They'd always go, well, we're not censoring anybody. That's the algorithm. That's the algorithm. And, and the members of Congress always kind of let that slide. And I'm like, well, somebody writes that algorithm. There's a human being who created that code. And like there's certain words that like uh, like if you mention liberty, mm-hmm. that's going to trip. They're going to make sure that that goes 
liberty, freedom, justice, media bias. If you just mention the name Donald Trump, and I know this from my YouTube channel, uh, which is also the Loftus Party, but if I just mention the name Donald Trump, my video is automatically demonetized. Mm -hmm. they've, got, they've got AI, uh, artificial intelligence, that can, it listens to what the words you're saying, and it can transcribe them, and it knows. So the algorithm decides how many people will see or hear your content. And so, you know, they could just, you might make the best piece of content on, on YouTube, and when the algorithm kicks in, they go, well, I guess only 30 people saw it. Better luck next time. Meanwhile, uh, when someone's talking about, oh, my girlfriend and I had the best weekend le lesbian time at the raspberry farm ever, they will boost that content mm -hmm. and they will give that to millions of people. And then then they act like they're they're members of the third party. And they're like, wow, I guess everybody loves lesbian weekends at the raspberry farm. I guess America. And then they can steer the conversation. And then everybody, then all of a sudden America wakes up and they go, wait a minute, when did we, when did we spend all afternoon talking about lesbians at raspberry farms? And then that, that becomes the news story and they love to control the narrative and they love to, it's, it's like, uh, you know, putting a carrot in front of a donkey. They just steer us around. They just, and now we find out it was the FBI holding the carrot. Right, right. It's, it's insane. So the, the algorithm is everything. And that's what I was really hoping that like Elon Musk would do. That's what I was going to ask you. If he's when he took over Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, exposing, exposing the deep state and how, how they've been up to their elbows in trying to control the narrative and making sure that Trump didn't get reelected. But we need to know the algorithm. You know, when everybody goes to sleep, you know, how does that AI decide which things get boosted and which things go down? And then I want to know about the algorithm at Facebook. I want to know about the algorithm at Google and YouTube and all of them, because I don't think there's no way Americans are getting all the information that they deserve. The only way this country survives is if the citizens are, are well-informed and can make good decisions. But if you're just going into a dark room, if you're going on, onto the internet into a dark room and Google only shows you two doors, you think you're selecting, but no, there's actually hundreds of doors. They're only showing you two. They're showing you uh, Hillary Clinton is great and Hillary Clinton is awesome. Those are your two choices. <laughs> well, Michael, I'm for the first time in my life, I get to play a straight man to a comic. Like I always used to marvel watching uh, Ed McMahon setting Johnny Carson up. So I am going yeah. to set you up and here we go. This is the first time in my life I've ever been able to do this. Here, I'm gonna set you up, put this on a T for you. The midterm elections were fair and honest, right? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Cause that's what, listen, um, it's, it's only fair and honest when you can vote for uh, a month. You need, you need a month of, of voting from mail from drop off mailboxes that uh, no one's looking at. That's it's always funny too. It's like with uh, like John Fetterman, like that guy. 
they voted, so many votes were cast for Fetterman before he even opened up his mouth. And like now between him and the lump, it really is. It, it's like, um, uh, it's like watching young Frankenstein when that guy would, when that guy would, when he was on the debate, mm, no fracking, mm, <laughs> fracking, good, me like fracking. Mm. And then you're like, is the lump going to start talking? <laughs> right. Yeah. People would explain was, to people what the lump is. And we could go with the lump with Herman Munster too, right? It's like, right. you know, right. So people understand it's the bolt that's sticking out of their neck. <laughs> I like, and here's the other, here's the other funny. Do you remember when, uh, when Trump got done giving a speech at like West Point and he was walking down a, a wet ramp? Yeah, and, and he, he slipped a little bit. He slipped right. a little bit, like two inches, like two inches he went back. And they're like, oh, 25th Amendment. We got to we <laughs> right. get rid of that He's guy. mentally ill. <laughs> and now you got, you got Joe Biden looking for dead people after a speech. Like, where's Jackie? Where's Jackie? <laughs> right. And they're like, oh, that's fine. That's fine. Ah, that's just Uncle Joe. Right? Falling oh, up the stairs three times. Up the stairs, he fell three times. Oh, that's fine. That's just that's just old Joe from Scranton. Can't make this stuff up. You no. know, here's here's what here's what everybody wants to know, because I know people listening to you for the first time that are into comedy have the obvious question because there's a pink elephant in the room. And that elephant is, how did you avoid becoming, let's just be start a leftist, socialist, Marxist, progressive, communist, whatever you want to put them, just put them in, 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 a, in, a, in a, whatever you want to call it. How did you avoid that, that, that trap? Because that's where a lot of comedians seem to end up, just like a lot of people in Hollywood. They, everybody ends up there. Everybody starts uh, being like uh, a, a liberal in in comedy until they get a little bit of success. It's like once once you once you start doing okay and you see how much Uncle Sam has taken, you're just like, wait, what? And then you start, and that's if you're a curious human being, if you are a genuinely curious human being you can't help uh but be a small government fiscally conservative we are wasting so much money in this country is it's it's insane and like in hollywood dude there was one night there was one night i was at the uh, melrose improv and i just watched comic after comic after comic just rail on george bush they just railed on george bush so I'm like, well, this will be fun and different. And I just started talking about how I love George Bush. He was the best president ever. He should be out. And the place was roaring. I mean, they were, they just loved it because like to thine own self be true, you know? And it's like, I don't want to be, if, if everybody's going one direction, I always want to go the other way. You know, I always want to go the other way. That's just how my comedy instincts work. And like, it's crazy now because like as a comic, I am the outsider. I'm the dangerous comic, right? There's like, yeah. there's like comedy clubs like, oh, you can't come in here and play. And it's like, there's, there's zero hate speech. It's just, uh, you know, observations and making fun of a horrible philosophy. But 
it's kind of it's it's wild. It's like the punk rock movement of comedy. It, the only only those who are on the right are truly members of the punk rock uh, stand up community. I hear you. I hear you. Well, since you brought Hollywood into this and I've had several Hollywood people on and on my very first show ever live show, Morgan Brittany was on there and we become friends. She's been on my show probably six times. And every time she comes on, she starts talking and telling Hollywood stories. She talked about, you know, how it used to be really patriotic and uh, and how the people who own the studios really, you know, loved America and how that changed and how she saw the socialism and the sex and all the stuff coming in. Then she told stories about her experience as a kid with Hitchcock and Rod Serling and all this. You yeah. said you had some Hollywood stories. So I know people are like, get to the Hollywood story. So here, here's the time. <laughs> here's here's a th- this one. I, I always this one always makes me smile in a weird way. Uh, I was working on this show called Anger Management with Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. And, right. and Charlie is an incredibly talented guy. Uh, and his dad, Martin, Martin, played his dad on the show. All right. So uh, <laughs> so Obama is up for reelection. It's election night and we're at the studio and we're 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 shooting, you know, scenes. And then, you know, you take little breaks as they move the cameras and set up for the next scene. And then the election results are coming in. So now Obama has won, you know, and, and he, seriously, uh. A piece of uh, a piece of belly button lint could have beat uh, Mitt Romney, but <laughs> it's become it's become apparent that Obama has won again. So I step outside and I'm so bummed out and I'm having a smoke and I'm just like, okay, you know, don't freak out, you know, the world will keep on spinning. But I'm bummed out and Martin Sheen comes outside and he's like the biggest lefty in the world. And he's like. He's like so happy because his guy won. And Martin Sheen's like, we did it. We did it. And I just turn around and look at him with this look. And he he doesn't <laughs> say a word. He doesn't say a word. He just comes up and gives me a hug. And he goes, it's going to be okay, son. It's going to be okay. Oh, boy. Like he can tell instantly uh, that I was that I was not a uh, Obama fan. And he was just. He was just so cool about it. He could have been a complete jerk, but he's like, it's going to be okay, son. It's going to be okay. Yeah, it's going to be okay for him. I I, I, I don't understand. Well, I, I won't even get into his election. But that, what I do want to ask you along these lines as it applies to Holly Weird, as I like to call it, has it been hard for you to maneuver around? Because the people, as I said, people like Morgan Brittany and Nick Searcy and people who have been on the podcast has talked about, you know, how uh, and Kevin Sorbo who uh, has been on and yeah. it will is preceding your podcast. This podcast will follow him coming on a second time. And he talked about how doors have closed and, and how it, it, it's, it's rough. Yes. Has it been for you? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 I, I consider that chapter of my life closed. Um, when many moons ago, I was uh, getting ready to do a TV spot. You know, uh, it was, was going to be like on the animal planet or something, but they wanted me to do stand up. So I was running my set. It was like a four minute set. And I was at this great club in Pasadena called the Ice House. And so I run the set and it just it went very well. So I go back to the green room to get my coat. And this uh, big Latino guy is standing back there. 
And he goes, yo, you know, what's your name, man? My name's George Lopez. I got a show. There coming you out. Go. I want fun. I want funny dudes to write on my show. And you are funny as hell, bro. Give me your number. And I remember when I, he started out. I remember yeah. when Lopez started out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I that's how that's how I met George Lopez. That's how I got introduced to writing for television. Then I started writing on the George Lopez show. And George and I are always very, very friendly. And um, a few years ago, uh, the, the guy that I worked for on that show, uh, like this is probably six years ago, he goes, hey, we're going to do another, we're going to do a reboot of, uh, of Lopez. And I just want to see if you would be on board. And I go, yeah, I'd help write that show. And, you know, these are people that I've known for a long time and I consider them friends. And I know George is, he's, you know, he's way on the other way side. Left, you know, right, he, right. But, you know, it's, it's, it's entertainment and I enjoy doing it. Well, George has had another show coming up. And it's uh, I think it premieres uh, this spring on on NBC. And boy, my phone did not ring on that Ooh. one. And that was one where I, I, I go way back with these people. And it's always like, man, if I ever do anything lofty, you got to be a part of it. And then it's 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 wild to see. And when I wrote my book, uh, when I wrote my book, Neither Stunning Nor Brave, uh, I won't I'm not going to name names, but as you go around to publishing houses, uh, suddenly they're like, yeah, yeah, we're, I, we don't think this will be a good one. We were this, you know, and it's like, wow, it's it's a it's a fun and funny novel. And it's just like there's no. They don't have the moral courage to tell you why. It's just a matter of that they, they just stop calling and they stop returning calls. Mm. And you can just sense that everything has kind of like cooled off. But for me, I, I guess I'm in a good spot, you know, because I'm producing that show tonight and and doing that and my YouTube channel and, and, and my website. And I just want to help out anyone else who's creating. I just we we got to go so fast. I love what Ben Shapiro's doing with the Daily Wire. Mm -hmm. I love that like Gina Carano got canceled and they immediately did a couple movies with her. And I know Nick Searcy mm -hmm. has been in those and Kevin Sorbo's doing stuff. We need to circle the wagons. We have so many talented people on the right. Like many moons ago, the Hollywood system was run by like the Warners, Jack Warner and the Warner Brothers and blah, blah, blah. And then the actors got together and started United Artists. Mm -hmm. And that's when everything really shifted. They took the power away and that killed the old studio system. And I really I'm trying to do everything I can uh, with the Loftus Party and the LoftusParty.com to get all these creators together. We need to have we need to have a, a, a summit and 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 go okay so kevin you're a phenomenal actor and writer and and christy swanson you're phenomenal at what you do and blah 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 and this guy like we need we need funds to produce this stuff and we need platforms to put it on the audience is there everyone knows the audience mm -hmm. is there and and everybody's like 
you know, defending their own little pile of, oh, I've got my own little pile of peanuts and I got to no we need we need to take the whole tree. Stop defending your little mini acorn. Let's get the whole tree. I want all of it. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. And, and I didn't know you were a mind reader because my last question for you was going to be about your book, which is entitled Neither Stunning Nor Brave. And on the cover, it states, quote, he dreamed of a life on Mars. Life dreamed of kicking his ass and life wasn't messing around. <laughs> what is your book about? It is um, it's it's a novel and it's a story set in the not too distant future uh, of a guy who's desperately trying to fit into society. He's desperately trying. And after one random act of kindness, it's it sets off a chain of events where push comes to shove. He's he's uh, accused of a crime that he did not commit. And he finally has to every everybody in America and in the world is going to have a moment where you either stand your ground or you run away. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of people have to uh, learn how to stand their ground. And that's what our character does. He finally has to just go. I'm tired of the B.S. And now I'm going to learn how to fight back. It's a it's a super funny story. I mean, it's it, it's funny. I self-published on Amazon and my, my my the book that I'm competing with the most is uh, A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is one of my favorite books ever. And I'm just I'm like honored to be in the same category. But it's just it's a funny, funny story. And it's got huge action and uh, and a, a wonderful romance to it. But it's a it's a novel. And that's what I love about it. It's like most books that are written by people on the right are like, well, here's how the left is destroying America. And here's how the liberals are doing this. Well, we also need good stories. We need I, I want some kid. I want some kid who never thinks about politics, but he's just a science fiction and a comedy nerd to pick up this book. And it'll start the wheels spinning. That's the power of storytelling. You know, you'll just you'll just be creating little conservatives all over the planet by like, oh, I'm just reading this wonderfully funny piece of entertainment, but it helps them see the world a different way. So that's I what I you. that's what I'm trying to do. I hear you, Michael. This has been fun for me. I I've I really enjoyed talking to you, and I did enjoy meeting you out at the uh, uh, at Joe, in Joe the Box's office. Please tell people how they can reach you and anything you would like to promote. How to get the show, the book, and anything else you're involved in. Everything you need, my friends, is at theloftestparty.com. Theloftestparty.com. That's going to have links for the books and my stand-up dates and all kinds of wonderful uh, articles. And I'm also supporting other artists there. Uh, and then the other website people need is thatshowtonight.com. That's how they can watch the sketch comedy show. That's where they can uh, go to laugh and share the content where we are making fun of the idiots, the woke, and the powers that be. There you have it, Michael. Thank you for coming on. We're going to have to do this again because yes. we, we left. We didn't we didn't take all the acorns off the tree. So I want to say to you and your family, uh, Happy New Year. And, yes. uh, you know, I'll pop out there again uh, to the warehouse and uh, check out what's going on out there with you and your crew. You got to do it. You got to do it. Come out for the next taping, man. We'll be doing one very, very soon.
Uh, it's a possibility because I have the schedule here. I'll be keeping an eye on it. Thank you for coming on go. and thank you for being who you are. Mr. Michael Loftus, everyone. I want to thank Michael Loftus for helping us prepare to usher in 2023 with both seriousness and laughter. We most definitely need both. Gotta have some balance, America. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. If you're listening for the first time, be sure to check out the podcast archive located on the page. All previous podcasts are there featuring guests including Morgan Brittany, Ben Carson, Monica Crowley, Diamond and Silk, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, Mike Lindell, Trevor Loudon, Nick Searcy, Carol Swain, Herschel Walker, and Naomi Wolf. Along these lines, the next podcast features the return of Herculean actor, director Kevin Sorbo. Well, that's a wrap for now, friends. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America. And here's wishing everyone a very happy new year.